mindfulness, like meditation in general can be so helpful because a lot of the work is actually about self-awareness. Part of it is learning how to turn to ourselves with compassion, even when the things we're experiencing make us feel like we don't deserve that kind of love and care, right? So I think that in a society that sort of glamorizes smaller bodies and having to appear a certain way, a lot of the PCOS symptoms can make you feel less than and not worthy of the kind of love and self-care that you really truly need in order to be yourself and to shine. Doctor said you got PCOS, now go on girl, just lose some weight. Till I took the symptoms into my own hands and reversed them naturally. So I became a dietitian to help my sisters feel the best they've ever felt. Take a step in my direction if you wanna put them on and take control of yourself. Welcome everyone to another episode of A Sister and Her Mister. Today we have Lauren Bell Castro here on the podcast with us. Welcome, Lauren. Thanks Welcome. so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. We are so excited to have you because this is going to be a very relatable topic about anxiety, depression, and its relationship to PCOS women and how so many PCOS women struggle with it. So we're so excited to share some of your tips, some of your tricks, some of the things you have up your sleeve as a licensed social worker, as someone who is really experienced with working with women who have anxiety and depression. So please start off by telling us your experience with PCOS and its relationship in your mental health journey. Such a great introduction, Talian. You're like getting like tonight show experience levels right now. <laughs> that was great. So I've, I'm, as someone with PCOS, I'm also someone who has experienced anxiety and depression. And I sort of came across your Instagram. I think at that point, you only had like a thousand followers or something. And this was long ago. Wow. But- wow. Yeah, it was like really a long time ago. Um, So I was really excited to come across your page because I definitely felt really discouraged with my own PCOS journey. And when I was first diagnosed with PCOS, I didn't really have it in as severe form. Um, So it was really quite mild because I was already naturally kind of doing a lot of the dietary and exercise things that are good for it. So I didn't really take the diagnosis as seriously. And I think I spent a lot of time kind of in denial about it. Um, which I think really relates in general to mental health because it's all kind of invisible. Like you feel it, yet it's not concrete. Like some of the Mm -hmm. PCOS symptoms, of course, are physical and concrete, but a lot of times with our mental health or even a diagnosis like PCOS, it can feel very like abstract and vague. And like, is this really happening? Or am I really just fine? Like what's going on? So I think- And I'm sure confusing too, right? Yeah, definitely confusing, definitely encountered not a whole lot of resources, which is why I sort of just like clung to your account for dear life. (laughs) But essentially, I have gone up and down with my experience with anxiety and depression. And I would say that with COVID recently in the last few years, starting off as sort of like a budding therapist in the field and treating all these clients, um, I was also like moved into a new apartment, got a puppy, all these major life changes. I noticed that my PCOS symptoms started to flare up. And so I kind of dived back even deeper into the program and this work and have sort of been exploring the relationship between 
the things I do to take care of my physical symptoms of PCOS and how that does directly impact my mental health. Um, so I think I'm definitely the insulin resistant type of PCOS. Mm. So I noticed that when I am having sugar and I'm going back and forth, that that definitely impacts having mood swings, causes me to be more anxious. Um, and it's hard because sometimes I think it can be difficult to determine, like, is this just my anxiety? If you're someone who has like a generalized anxiety disorder or panic disorder, or is this my PCOS symptoms? So I think that trying to figure out what is what can be challenging. And um, I really enjoy supporting women in my work, trying to figure out what is what and how do we sort of get both of them under control at the same time. Absolutely. That's, that's such a great way of looking at it too. And it's going back to the anxiety and feeling that feeling those feelings. A lot of times people think it's just like a mental problem or like you have a, a mental health issue, which of course it can be, but also it can be a sign of a hormonal imbalance. For example, like cortisol levels, when you wake up in the morning, if you have really high cortisol levels, you're going to immediately feel anxiety when you start your school, your work or whatever that will be. And then you're going to end up getting panic attacks or just like having a bad day as a result. So yeah, like it can be a clear sign of a PCOS symptom, like uh, imbalanced hormones with cortisol. No, Absolutely. Is that something you have encountered a lot? Like when you have patients come in, do you like mention like this could be related to hormones or um, do you dive into like mental health and wellness, like that type of tools in your toolbox? Yeah. So I think a lot of times what I'll do is I'll notice if the people coming in are talking about their period as being a concern. Mm -hmm. And so part of like a basic assessment when someone comes in is getting to know a little bit about their medical history. Um, but, you know, PCOS is something that is still often not caught or misdiagnosed and all those sorts of things. So when people come in, if they're saying that they have a lot of emotions around their period, um, or if they start to sort of bring up their cycle quite a lot. And if they haven't recently gone to a gynecologist or had any kind of testing or, you know, I'll just sort of gently explore what could be happening since I find that it can be quite common. And sometimes people actually do have PCOS and they already know that, but they don't even bring it up because they don't think it's related, right? So they're not even telling me. They're like, oh yeah, I do have that or, you know, whatever comes up. And then I'm like, oh, well, this could be a huge part of what you're going through because yes. even with medication, if the hormonal imbalance is so extreme, you it's like, you have to get that under control because it's almost more powerful than anything else, than the medication, yeah. than, than the treatment. It's it, They're so um, massive. It can really take over your life if we're not looking at both. That's yeah. so true. It, there's Absolutely. only so much you can do um, until you realize like what the root cause of the problem is. And then you can take supplements and do all these amazing things that will kind of like push your hormones in the right direction. And as a result, improve your mood. I even remember having estrogen dominance at one point where I had like really bad acne and it was affecting my mood and I'd wake up really depressive and I just didn't understand like, how did this happen? And I started taking a supplement to like help detoxify estrogen and I completely like improved my mood and my symptoms. And then I took that supplement for longer than I was supposed to. And then my mood went back down and it was just incredible how like it can influence your personality, whether you have any control or not, like it can have such a huge influence. And, but nevertheless, like what are some things that PCOS women can do when they're stuck in these situations where they are going to eventually learn to manage their cortisol or reduce their estrogen or testosterone? I mean, improve their estrogen and reduce their testosterone. Like what 
can we do in the meantime? What control do we have over ourselves, our mood, our emotions? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think mindfulness is such a big part of this. So I also am a yoga instructor um, and I really like, yeah, I really like to combine both in my work with clients. So I really like to think about the body and basic grounding techniques, relaxation techniques that can kind of support women in this journey. Um, But I also think just mindfulness, like meditation in general can be so helpful because a lot of the work is actually about self-awareness, right? So like, Part of it is learning how to turn to ourselves with compassion, even when the things we're experiencing make us feel like we don't deserve that kind of love and care, right? So I think that in a society that sort of glamorizes smaller bodies and having to appear a certain way, a lot of the PCOS symptoms can make you feel less than and not worthy of the kind of love and self-care that you really truly need in order to be yourself and to shine. And so I think a lot of it is built first building self-awareness awareness to even catch yourself in a moment of being critical to yourself catch yourself in a moment when you're having a negative story about your journey, right? Because I guess we'll take an example. Like if somebody, you know, has started this process, maybe they're new to this work of PCOS and how to heal yourself and your hormones. And this is something I personally experienced probably like seven months ago when my symptoms just flared up really badly, just based on all of my outside life stress. And then me not taking care of myself as a result, where I just felt super low and down. And so part of it for me, like getting back on track was hard because I'm showing up to my yoga mat. I'm showing up to these weighted workouts. I'm doing those things and I'm not seeing what I want to see immediately. And so what I could do is I could tell myself a story of see, like, I will always struggle with this or I'm hopeless. Right. Or I could tell myself a story of this won't work for me or I'm not good enough. Mm -hmm. And if I can catch myself having that thought or having that moment, that really will change everything. Cause if I can be mindful of the fact that that's even happening and not, that's not just like an automatic story, I can then like intervene and change it. And so Mm -hmm. I think for a lot of people just beginning to develop self-awareness by, you know, doing box breathing or meditating for a minute before bed or in the morning with their cup of like spearmint tea, right? Or whatever it is that they're doing as like a moment to be with themselves. Um, having that self-awareness is going to help them to do any of the other interventions because otherwise it's just their experience, right? Like they are just the person who can never get better versus the person observing themselves struggling in a moment. Yeah, that inner voice is so important because it dictates how you're feeling as you're going through the struggles. Like if you're talking to yourself negatively after, you know, uh, something that didn't go your way, you're going to feel worse. Like, like I do this all the time to myself. Every time I mess up sometimes, like the number of times I'll call myself an idiot inside of my head is just like, it's hilarious. But at the same time, it's not good because, you know, you make yourself feel worse. So that inner voice is so important, giving yourself grace. Yeah, I really like what you said about self-awareness because even if your hormones are kind of taking over and like taking over your thoughts and like making you think more negatively or like be in this negative headspace, if you have enough self-awareness, you could see that about yourself and kind of realize like, I'm not like this. Like what is something wrong? Because that's what I did when I took that supplement. I was like, this is not who I am. Like what has happened? I'm being taken over by my hormones. What was this magic supplement? Everybody's It was dim. Dim? (laughs) I took dim. (laughs) I was told to take dim and then I took it too long. That's the thing. Like certain herbs, like herbal supplements like that, you know, it's not like omega-3 would do that. I feel like 
herbs would right. kind of like change the function of your like hormones. Sure. People take ashwagandha for their cortisol. Like it's not for everyone. It's not forever. It's like, it really just depends on your situation. Um, but anyways, back to what I was saying about how like that, if you have that like core consciousness of like who you are, then you will be able to navigate that like dark moment so much better because you can see yourself like third party, see yourself in life in general and be like, you know what? Like, I just need a break. Like something is like really just like taking over and I can't like get out of bed or like function or like do my hair and makeup and get the day going because of a hormonal issue. And so then at that point, you should see that in yourself and like, be like, you know, what? I'm going to take the morning off. Like, I can't do this right now, you know? Yeah. And then continue and then figure it out and continue. Yeah, well, absolutely. And I think that was kind of cool because you were sort of talking about being able to see where you are. And so part of my training is also in polyvagal theory. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the vagus nerve at all. No. Yeah, actually, I, I had a friend who uh-huh. she had vasovagal. Oh, which okay. is when it's like overstimulated because you have too much like conch like it was in college it was too much like this that all of these things were too new and everything and then she got vasovagal and she kept fainting mm-hmm. because of the 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 way it was affecting that nerve and creating like too much anxiety wow yeah yeah so that is that is definitely part of it right so basically the vagus nerve is like our alarm system in the body and it starts it's a, it's also insanely long so it starts at like the base of our skull and goes all the way into our stomach and our intestines and it has a lot to do with why IBS is so common for people with anxiety because it really connects the gut to the alarm system because it's literally in there so what's interesting is that um part of that therapeutic process is learning how to map your nervous system. And I think this is honestly a practice that anyone listening really could use, um, which is basically to sit down with yourself. And so the model is like a ladder. They compare the nervous system to a ladder. So there's essentially three heights to the ladder. So the bottom is when we're in shutdown mode or we're like in freeze response. So that often looks like depression. Um, It looks like feeling really low, um, just really feeling completely unmotivated and hopeless, right? So that's the bottom and that's the state of our nervous system that's technically called, called dorsal vagal, but you could just call it shutdown to be easy for it to be easier. The middle layer is fight or flight or our sympathetic nervous system. Um, And that is really when we're going to feel frantic, urgent, um, something bad's about to happen. This can also be when we're really angry. We're just highly emotional and reactive. And then at the top of the ladder is being in ventral vagal or just being in a calm, safe, connected, present place. And so to map your nervous system, it's basically like, what do I look like when I'm in each of those states so that you can get better at catching yourself in those moments? Because if you're having thoughts like, I'm no good, this is useless. Why was I born this way? I, whatever it is, right. I'm never going to get better. That's a sign, not of truth, but that you're stuck at the bottom of the ladder of your nervous system. So it's almost like this real meta way to take yourself out of that moment of spiraling. Cause you can say, no, this is just a sign that I'm here. That's not a sign of what's true. And so similar, if you're in anxiety mode, your thoughts are probably like, 
really urgent and kind of going along the lines of like something bad's going to happen. I knew this would never work out. What am I going to have to do next? Or, you know, I'm, I'm never going to, you know, whatever it is. Right. So that usually is a sign that then you're in anxiety mode. And then when you're in a calm, connected state, that's when you're able to see the truth, right? Is like, which would be in this case with PCOS, probably something like, I have symptoms and those symptoms are really challenging sometimes, but there are steps I can make to get better, even if I'm not seeing progress today. So I really love using that system because it goes right into self-awareness. Like if you can notice that when you're shut down, you usually are staying in bed, you're probably not um, eating as healthy, you're probably isolating yourself, right? That can give you that awareness that something's off with your hormones and gives you a moment to recognize that this isn't just your life. Like this is something that's taken over you. And how can you use that as a point to kind of pull out and reevaluate? Yeah. Well, this is interesting. So this, this nerve, does it get this way over long periods of like stress and stress? And it just becomes like, almost like stuck in that, in that like anxiety feeling if you want to say so you, so like you just like you naturally just feel that all the time yeah so that's like the best follow-up question ever because that's like that's really where I wanted to go with this so like so yeah so basically the vagus nerve is one where it's supposed to be activated and active right we're supposed to be able to go from feeling shut down sometimes you know like for example like if you're running late to work and you spill your coffee like yeah you're supposed to kind of maybe get anxious about that then upset about it and but ultimately come back to like a relative place of stability afterwards, right? Like you kind of brush it off, you get back to the day. But when you go under chronic stress or any kind of trauma, but chronic stress could just look like, you know, things being hard at work for a long time. Like they don't have to be things that are crazy, intense and bad. Um, sometimes it is though, right? But regardless, when your nervous system is dealing with stress chronically, your what we would say your vagal tone. So the tone of that nerve actually decreases. So what happens is we have this part of that nerve that is called a vagal break, and it's supposed to slow down our heart rate. So when we're inhaling, our heart rate naturally goes up just a little. And when we exhale, it's supposed to like slow down the heart rate, this vagal break. But if it's always, it's almost like a mountain bike. If you're trying to press your brakes on the mountain bike and you're just going really fast downhill, like over time, that brake's going to get tired of having to keep going on and dealing with all that strain. So it's actually not as good at lowering your heart rate on your exhales, which causes your inhales to be rapid and all those symptoms of anxiety. So there are a whole bunch of things people can do to tone their vagus nerve so that they can rebound from chronic stress. You know, a lot of those things look like breath work. They look like yoga. Um, they look like petting your dog, right? Or being outside <laughs> of nature or cuddling with a loved one. But definitely, I think one of the most concrete things could simply be like a breath work practice of just inhaling for the count of three or four and exhaling an even amount to start. I think especially for someone who's new, but that really literally is like you're doing reps, but for your vagus nerve, which is yeah. so cool because you can really tone it again, which is the exciting part. No, absolutely. It's like, like meditation is essentially uh, like a strengthening of your brain muscles and, and so forth. And um, no, I think because this is so interesting because I feel like for sure my vagus nerve is like shot right now to the limit. And I need to like do all these things you said. I need to buy a dog. I need to cuddle with the dog. That should be the next step. Yeah. Smoke uh, really wants a dog. Yeah. And now you're just making it more and more of an issue by saying that he needs a dog. If we weren't staying with your parents right now, there would be I a know. dog, 100%. I'm you know, I, I want to get back to the things yeah, that strengthen the vagus nerve. <laughs> yes. Before I get to that, I wanted to ask something. Sirak had gastritis mm -hmm. the other month oh. because mm -hmm. we launched the app and it was just a lot. 
it was a lot. Everything was a lot. And I was stressed too. Like, I'm not trying yep. to point fingers. Like we were all stressed, but this poor guy got gastritis. And so it has to do with the vagus nerve. Oh, 100%. Like, tell us the connection. Everyone on the podcast knows, <laughs> everyone listening knows, because we've been talking about it for a while now, because it was really like this unbelievable, like upsetting. Yeah. I, I felt so bad. Like, well, it was what, scary because I, I lost like 10 pounds and I was like, am I, am something wrong with me? Like, am I, is do I have some... a parasite? He's telling me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you have gastritis. Poor baby. Yeah, no. <laughs> no, yeah. No, it, it's true though, right? So, they actually, cause so I, I do this, tra- I've been doing this training on the vagus nerve. I've done a lot of continuing add on it and I'm like doing even more. Cause I'm just that kind of overachiever. And, um, <laughs> they talk all about how IBS is actually being reconfigured. Like they're changing the diagnosis from like a physician standpoint, um, to reflect that it's actually a miscommunication between your brain and your gut. So because there's the nerve endings literally in the gut at some point, So there's things you can do to treat it, first of all, like as an aside from like just caring for your microbiome and probiotics and all the good things and like a lot of the exercise and eating a diverse range of foods, like a whole bunch of things that can be helpful and aside from this, but um, getting good sleep, right? All those things really go into this too. But that nerve is essentially responding to what's happening. And with, especially with IBS, I know more about that related to it than the gastritis, but with that it's basically like your gut is having different spasms and that's because the nerve is tense and your brain then responds to that as that being danger, right? So like any kind of sensation in your gut is now triggering your brain to think, oh no, like I'm in danger, something bad's about about to happen, right? Like I'm gonna feel even worse or I'm gonna throw up or, and it ends up feeding this like anxious loop where it just continues to cause the gut to be more tight and not digest food because the body doesn't wanna focus on digesting food if it's like in danger, right? So it's like putting that on hold. So that's all related to the vagus nerve and how it's communicating between the gut and the brain. So part of that is actually breaking that cycle and being able to kind of do what we just talked about before, right? Like being self-aware and catching yourself in that moment of, oh my gosh, I'm really getting upset about how I'm feeling in my gut, right? And I think it's actually, I'm getting more anxious just thinking about how I feel about my gut. How can I disconnect from that loop, recognizing that that loop is of anxious thought is really just a sign that my nervous system is dysregulated. I'm like in the middle of that ladder. And how can I kind of begin to calm my body down somatically? Um, And so sometimes what that could look like is actually just noticing where you're holding tension in your body in those moments and actively trying to relax. So something like a progressive muscle relaxation is a great daily practice. Um, If someone doesn't have a regular yoga practice where they can get better at learning how to soften and relax muscles. Because if I told you right now to like relax your shoulder or your jaw, that might be like a little difficult if you haven't like practiced especially if it's like not exactly tense at the time, but something you can do to care for yourself in those moments when you're noticing, oh my gosh, I'm getting so anxious about this is, am I, am I clenching my fists? Is my jaw a little tight? How can I like maybe squeeze it just a little extra tight and then release? And how can I soften my whole body? Um, The problem is that probably in like another two seconds, you're going to tense up again because that's your habitual response and how you're Mm -hmm. holding this stress and trauma in your body. Um, But your body 
communicates more to your brain than your brain does to your body. So if you, even if you're telling yourself all the right things, rewriting your story, being aware, but your body is like this, or really tight, it's still signaling to your brain that things aren't okay. So in terms of any kind of stomach discomfort that could be related to anxiety, a whole lot of it is just how can I be aware of it and respond to myself in like a loving, kind, gentle way, because that takes away the anxiety you're adding, which is like that inflammatory response, right? It's like, I have an issue with my gut and now I'm anxious about that issue with my gut. Um, Tara Brock has this great acronym called RAIN. Have you guys heard of RAIN? No. I've heard, okay. I've heard, I've heard no. of her name, Tara Brock, but I haven't heard of Rain. Yeah, no, she's amazing. So she's like a psychotherapist and does a lot of like meditation and like Tibetan Buddhist uh, teachings. But basically Rain stands for recognize, the R is for recognize, the A is for acknowledge, the I is for investigate, and the N is for nurture. Um, so essentially it would look like, let's say again, gut discomfort. It would look like recognizing that your gut is in a discomfort and that you're responding with that with anxiety. It would look like acknowledging that. So, okay, in this moment, I'm feeling kind of anxious about how my stomach feels. I would look like investigating. So it look it would be looking like, okay, like, do I have a pattern of doing this? Have I done this before? Um, and then N looks like, how can I support myself? So it could look like the body really loves when we bring touch to the body. So it could look like bringing a hand to your heart, a hand to your leg, something that's like grounding maybe your cheek. We have a lot of vagus nerve muscles in the cheek and just asking yourself gently, like, what is it that I need right now? And almost responding to yourself like you would your partner, right? Or a cute dog, um, right? Like how would you respond to yourself in like a loving, kind way? And that almost really helps break you out of the cycle. And one of those loving ways you might respond to yourself is noticing, where am I tense right now about this? Like, is my heart rate up? Are my shoulders tense? Am I squeezing my gut even at all? Like, am I like squeezing my toes? Like, what am I doing? And can I soften there a little bit and just kind of ground into this moment and offer myself that same kind of love and support I would a friend? I'm getting a dog. That's it. Oh, um, you, Dad. Today, I'm putting an order... <laughs> I was just going to have to deal with it. Whatever your parents no. say. Oh, for the love of so. God. Did you hear about that sister who took Ovacetol and finally got her period after a year of not having one? Incredible. I see those kinds of messages on Instagram a lot. How does that even happen? Well, Ovacetol helps with healing insulin resistance, a common root issue that most PCOS sisters have. And by targeting insulin resistance, we're seeing sisters kick those crazy cravings, finally regulate their periods, ovulate, and improve their egg quality. Each packet of Ovacetol has a 40 to 1 ratio of myo-inositol and d inositol This ratio is similar to the ratio that should be found in the body. But with women like me who have PCOS, this ratio is often imbalanced. So taking Ovacetol can be super effective in treating insulin resistance starting from the root of the issue. So awesome. It tastes like nothing. So just warn me when you put it in a cup so I don't drink it. You got it, boo. Check out the link in the description to get 15% off your order. No, that's, a, that's amazing. Your <laughs> tips and information. I think it's something that everybody listening to a certain extent can for sure benefit from. Yes. A lot of people can benefit from it. To, to a lot of extent, but even just everybody, I feel like, you know, like we all go through work, day-to-day uh, -day activity, school, and it just like, it becomes so difficult to kind of like handle it day after day that you need a break, you need a practice, you need to strengthen your brain muscles, your breathing muscles, everything just as a whole to like, you know, strengthen yourself for the next time that shit hits the wall. <laughs> 
Yeah, I completely agree. And I think that people get stuck in a routine of thought. So for example, with PCOS, like you kind of get stuck in this routine of thought, like, oh, you know, I'm going to suffer with these symptoms forever. I'm never going to be able to lose weight. Oh, I always crave food. I'm always binge eating. Like you get stuck in these habits and negative loops. And if you don't come to terms with the fact that you have to see yourself from like a third party perspective, kind of like look at yourself and stop identifying yourself with this anxiety, then you'll realize that like you're you've been just strengthening this negative muscle all this time by talking to yourself like this, by behaving this way and not looking at yourself from a third party perspective. And you have just created like the strongest muscle (laughs) here within this anxiety pattern for years. And people have PCOS and don't do anything about it because they don't know they can't do anything about it for years until they're like 50 sometimes, you know, and that's a long time to be stuck in this negative loop and not realize it. And so I'm just really like into what you're saying, because you're breaking it down into like a scientific Mm -hmm. um, level where you're literally talking about this nerve that's connecting from your brain to your stomach, which has all these nerve endings. And you're talking about how like there are certain like levels of anxiety and we kind of stay at a certain level sometimes due to trauma, due to issues, PCOS, whatever it is. And we exhaust that muscle and we live in that muscle and we make it so tense that we can't even pump the brakes on it anymore. And it takes a lot of like personal awareness to loosen that muscle up and so much effort too. like, that's not an easy thing to do. It's like creating a whole new habit into your life. Like it's not easy to just like go gluten and dairy free tomorrow. You know what I mean? Like I, it's like always going to be a challenge to like practice something new and kind of like change the way that you like even physically are. I have scoliosis Mm -hmm. And like, I work out, I lift weights like four times a week. And I know that I need to be doing yoga every day, (laughs) not just like 10 minutes, like 30 (laughs) minutes every day for the rest of my life. If I want to stop complaining about this scoliosis, like, I know that's the answer to my problems, you know? (laughs) And like, I'm not very good at like being consistent with it, but I will say like, I can come to terms and like be aware that like <laughs> this is like I am just strengthening my scolio, like making it worse every time I'm not doing yoga every day. <laughs> I'm like admitting this right now on this podcast. Like I'm just like making my scoliosis worse. And once I'm 70, I'm gonna be bent over like like what's it like 90 degree angle well, actually the, the, all if the, i don't get myself together right now like, the, the workouts you're doing are helping yeah you know it's but, not like you're not doing anything it is really helping but actually you're being negative on yourself right now I have you should to. give yourself some grace you'd be like i'm doing so much already but you know I what maybe as i'm when i'm ready i could add on the yoga how about that uh, there you go you're actually See? right that's exactly what i need to be thinking i will eventually add the yoga it's just, yeah. I just added the fourth day. How many day. things can one person do? I swear to God, how many things? I just added the fourth workout day to my week and I love it. I feel like I'm getting stronger. I feel definition, abs or whatever, you know, like I, it's just, how am I supposed to do yoga? <laughs> I, yeah. just, I, I just yeah. added the fourth day. Now I have to do yoga, Yeah, but it never ends. And who cares? Keep doing it. Keep going. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. Right. And I would, I, I like what Sirach said about being kind to yourself too, right? Like, because you are doing a lot, you know, and um, I think the way you'll get closer to actually incorporating that is by like being gentle with yourself about it. You know, it's so, it's so weird to go that way, but it actually, I feel like it ties into actually all the slow weighted workouts you guys put out. Right. Cause I do do them. I have like the four week plan. I'm obsessed. Amazing. Like, I, do all the time. I love that. Did it this morning. Oh. Like I love it. Um, yeah, it's amazing, but it's interesting, right? Because it does feel, I know you guys talk about this a lot, but like, it is an odd feeling to be working out. And like, I do feel more relaxed at the end, right? Like yeah. it's against that whole cultural narrative of like, I'm supposed to be stressed and that stress is going to help me get what I need, especially when it comes to our body goals, right? It's like, I need to be beating myself up. I need to be working out because I'm not good enough. And like moving slowly and mindfully, I mean, I think that's a great way for people who are listening, if they already do that too, practice self-awareness, right? Like just being mindful every time they're moving to try to bring their attention and awareness back to counting the reps, counting yeah. how slowly they're moving. And I think part of it is really also just like when it comes to change in general, like, you know, it's hard not to be ashamed almost of like, I'm not doing everything I could for myself, right? Or like, I need to make sure I'm doing all these boxes. And I think a lot of times if we can actually approach ourselves more gently and curiously, um, rather than this like punishing model, we're more likely to respond because there's probably like some valid reasons why you're not doing all the things because you're already doing a lot of them, you know? So I imagine if you can like come to yourself more curiously and kindly, that might sort of help you to actually do it more than like feeling bad or guilty about it. Just the way I was just talking to myself, oh, yeah. well, I'm going to be like 90 degrees bent over at age 70. Like that is not an example. Fight or flight right now. You just yeah. said. The experience will dictate how you respond to it and whether you're going to go back to it. So for example, like just the, like the working out, if you're working out and it's like it's torture, it's like you're just doing it for an hour, two hours a day, like running or whatever it is that you don't like, if you're doing it, you're just not seeing results. And it's like, just feels like terrible, then you're not going to want to do it three times or four times a week. Yeah. You just wanna, you're just going to be like, you know, I don't want to do this. It's not enjoyable. But if you were to make it enjoyable, and I'm not saying that like, slow way to work out is going to be 100% enjoyable for everybody. But if you make a switch to something that is more enjoyable for you and your body, and you see results, and and you're feeling good, you're going to want to do it all the time. You're going to want to go back. Just like Tyne, she, she went and added her fourth session of the week because she loves the three sessions. And she's like, you know what? I want to do one more. It just goes back to setting yourself up for success. And I think the best way to do that is do things that um, like you're actually going to enjoy. Yeah, it does really help when you enjoy it. Yeah, or even taking things that you don't enjoy and like making them enjoyable. So like if you really don't enjoy working out, like do it in your living room, turn on a show you like, like make it an enjoyable, something you're more drawn to. Or -hmm. like if you're, if you have a lot of work to do and you have a hundred emails, play jazz music, pour yourself tea, like act like it's not that bad and like kind of get yourself into a state of mind where it's not fight or flight. You're not like hammering through emails and like getting all tense because there's so much communication and like, you don't feel like doing it. Like make it good for you. And that goes back to like looking at yourself from a third party perspective and like seeing yourself miserable and think, how am I going to help myself here? Just like you would have helped your friend if your friend asked you for help or inspiration Mm -hmm. or something like, what would you tell them? You would say like, okay, well, let's like 
pour yourself a cup of tea and like, let's answer your emails outside. And like, I don't know, you know what I'm saying? Like, let's go to a workout class together. So it's more fun. Like you would give a suggestion like that. You wouldn't say like, well, get your ass in the gym. Like (laughs) the way you're talking to yourself. Bros do that. Bros will do that to each other, but you know. Man, like that is not (laughs) like, get me going. It's going to raise my cortisol. I'm going to be upset. Uh Yeah. Like I'm not into that. And then that perspective, like I really just don't share this like mindset because certain people are like, well, just suck it up and you need to do this and you need to get through it and work hard and persevere. And like, this is going to be a tough day. Like this isn't like my vibe. Like I can't, I don't vibe off of that because now I'm not enjoying my life. Now I'm just persevering to finish things and I'm miserable. And then I'm not going to be happy tomorrow because I have to do that whole thing over again. It's whole bit. So you have to like, yeah, figure out like how to make it right for you. Absolutely. I mean, there were, there were a lot of great, great takeaways from this episode, a lot of great information for people to kind of gather and just apply to their life. But if, if there's something like if, if we can give people, uh, sisters listening, like three or five, however many you think is best, like some ways to get started um, mm-hmm. after this episode, for example, like maybe like a 15 minute meditation every day or even like seeking um, a therapist at some point, like what would be like some recommendations you would make to, to people to just get started with improving their mental health after this episode? Yeah. So, I mean, I definitely think it's always a great idea to seek a therapist, especially if you are experiencing anxiety and depression and just knowing that you're not alone. And I think that's something that you guys do really well with the sisterhood too, right? It's like, you're not alone in this. And I think that can really feed into a depressed mindset. If you feel like it's you, right. You're the problem. Um, it's me, Taylor Swift. I'm like thinking about <laughs> a lot. Oh, of yeah. the TikTok side. Oh, it's yeah. me. <laughs> yeah. But, um, I would say for somebody who's trying to get started to just make a moment when they're really connecting with themselves a day. And I personally do like to do that over my cup of tea in the morning. I like to just sit and for a moment, just check in with myself about how I'm doing. And if you wanted to work on toning your vagus nerve at that same time, you could just set a timer for a minute. Really, it's just doing it versus how long you're doing it for, like the consistency that matters. So um, I think, again, a really easy vagal tone um, breathing exercise would just be inhaling for the count of maybe three or four Um, And then just exhaling for three or four and almost like you're trying to balance a scale, just trying to see that the inhales and exhales are even. And again, you could just, you know, put on a timer for a minute, um, just do a few rounds of that breath. But I think really creating that check-in with yourself is already going to help you to notice like what state of being am I in and how can I regulate myself throughout the day, knowing at this point where I'm at. Yeah, that's great. And, And not identifying it identifying with it and like saying like, this is just how I am and kind of realizing what it actually is. Like, is it a hormonal condition? Like what, what is like the cause of this? Because you can look at it from like a third party while you're doing those breathing exercises and not like sit in it and fester for like the rest of the day. And I'd like to add, I love these breathing exercises because it's something you can do all the time. Mm -hmm. Like I do it while I answer emails again, like stressful things like answer emails or, you know, anything like work related that I'm not really into that I just have to get done. Like I start counting and I find myself doing this when I'm rushing to things too. So if I'm like rushing, I'm like scattered. And so I'm like, one, two, three, one, two, three. I start like count. Do you hear me do it sometimes? I I do it in my head. 
but that's only when it's like really bad. I really like, I have to be like really in a rush like to do something. Yeah. And then I start to count and it's like this subconscious like way of me, like not letting time like smush together and just realizing like, I have three seconds. I have three more seconds. I do this while I cook if I'm in a rush too. I'm like chopping in a rush. Oh, really? like one, two, three, one, two, three. Wow. I, I had no idea about this. I do this. I've never heard you say one, two, three, one. I, I did it when I was in a car accident, when I'm in like fight or flight. Mm-hmm. Like I, I one, two, and I'll like pick up the phone, call my mm-hmm. dad. Like I, I, this is like a thing. Yes. I'm not like breathing properly, I guess, but at least I'm counting to yeah. slow my yes. mind down. Yeah. And that's why I like to listen to like jazz music because it's like this like one, two, three. <laughs> so I hear this like slow beat. And when it gets to like, I change the song because I'm like, that's not the vibe. I'm trying to like keep my thoughts in like a consecutive format instead of scrambled. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a music therapist, but what I've heard from my music therapy friends is that truthfully, we have an internal rhythm. And what you're noticing in those moments is my internal rhythm is way too fast. Everything is spinning around me, which would be a sign again, that you're probably, if we thought about that ladder, that you're sort of in the middle of the ladder in fight or flight. And you're trying to actively change your internal rhythm, which is why, again, moving slowly, even outside the workouts, right? Like in those moments, if you can just move like just a little more slowly, um, your body loves that. Your nervous system loves moving slowly. It's so grounding. It's going to change your internal pace. So, and again, similarly, like if you're doing all those things and you notice you're tense, if you can try to soften and relax the body a little bit in those moments, just softening the jaw. There was a time when I would always hold my jaw like so clenched Mm -hmm. and I would notice it was almost all the time. And I would have to actively practice releasing, releasing, because a lot of theories now about trauma and stress is that we hold the tension in the body, right? So if I'm chronically holding my jaw tight, I'm still showing up that way in the world. And that trauma and that experience is still living through me in my body. So even if we can just soften our bodies, so those are just things you could do in the moment, right? You notice that you're thinking about your schedule, you're freaking out, And you're deciding, I'm just going to come back to just moving just a little more slowly than I want to right now, taking a deep breath and just relaxing my shoulders. Like things like so easy you could do anywhere. It really helps. Yeah. I used to hold so much tension. I still do it in my like face, in my like forehead area. I would always look as if the sun is hitting my face. (laughs) And Talon, like even when I'm sleeping, like I'm about to fall asleep and Talon would be like, uncrunch your face. I'm like, oh yeah, okay. I I didn't even realize it. So, so funny and it's like you it said like not not as much but like it's like you said like once you release it you're like holy shit like wow this is what it's supposed to feel like my face or like my shoulders or whatever like you don't realize that tension is like you now it's it feels normal to you oh my gosh it's so funny i get so much wrinkles on my face because of this so i bet you i'm gonna get like the old man like four forehead wrinkles i'm gonna have to get botox like by 40 years old <laughs> i actually like in the beginning of our marriage that was your thing and like I kept joking about it so now you're not like that anymore and I remember if I was like talking too much you'd like squint and like it was all face and like wrinkle if I'm like going on and on about something and it's like eyes like right now Uh... (laughs) oh my god and I'd be like stop wrinkling and listen to me (laughs) it's like in the middle of the night like there's no brightness what are you squinting about sorry I'm used to it that's your pattern though. That's your pattern, right? And you were able to break the pattern for quite a bit. Yeah. It sounds like of you practicing, which is so cool. You yeah, really yeah. don't do that anymore. No, not as much for sure. I, I just it's catch amazing. myself. Yeah, I catch myself doing it. For so sure. you're doing it. 
You're doing yeah, yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, it's working. <laughs> Slowly working. I love it. Maybe it's the the numbing cream I've been putting on my forehead too. <laughs> That's probably it. <laughs> Maybe it's Botox. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh, that was great. Honestly, I felt like this episode was just not for like, of course, it was great for women with PCOS, but I also felt like it's great for everybody. And it was especially for me, like therapeutic and like informational, because I learned a lot of things that I'm for sure linking. I already knew some of this stuff in terms of like my gastritis and distress. Right. But like when we talked about the vagus nerve and all the connections that come from your neck all the way down to your stomach and all the nerve endings around there, like it, it makes so much sense. So very eye opening, very eye opening for me. Yeah, I really enjoyed this podcast episode. Lauren, you need to come back yes. on our podcast. Yes, we I should would love do this to. again sometime. Yeah, like it should <laughs> yes, be a re- please. Reoccurring podcast, like every two, two or three months or so. And I, maybe next time we can talk uh, more about your PCOS journey, some of the things that maybe you struggled and were able to reverse and, and things like right. that. So we could just dive deeper into that next time. Yeah, I'm totally happy to come back. It would be great. Yeah, or we can dive into more like mental health um, related things. I really liked what we talked about, uh, not vasovagal, but like the vagus nerve. And there's so much to know, you know, about like physically our mental health. Yeah, and in fact, maybe we'll collect questions after this episode and gather them for the next episode. Oh yeah, I would love to do like a cute little like mental health segment, like like every like every like two months or something or whatever it feels right for you guys just check in about your mental health and I'll just like pop in and we could dive because really there's so many like even just with the rain that we talked about right or the vagus nerve that we talked about like there are so much more in each of those things and so many I like literally wrote down this like everyone listening can't see it but I have like an entire list <laughs> of like um all different things that we could just dive into about yeah. grounding the body like progressive muscle relaxation just like a million and one things so um I would love to share because I've found so much value from this um on your work it really like it's changed my life so I'm oh, thank happy you. to try to help other people in whatever thank you way. so much I, I think you will I think from this episode so many people's lives will be changed so you definitely I'm sure already accomplished that thank you thanks so much for coming on lauren i can't wait to have you again thank you if you enjoyed listening to this podcast you have to come check out the sisterhood it's my monthly membership site where sisters just like you are learning how to move through the stages of pcos from stage one cold and alone at the doctor's office to stage five nailing the pcos lifestyle gluten and dairy free get ready to finally feel in control of your body again